Well, good morning, Four Points. How's everybody doing? Very good. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> How many moms do we have? Look at all those hands. Man, you guys. You guys are incredible. Shout out to my mom, Rita Vanderplug, too. I can't tell you the amount of influence my mom has had in my life. You know, she used to tell me I was going to be a preacher when I thought she was nuts. I mean, God was like the farthest thing from my heart and life at that time, and my mom saw it. You see stuff in your kids. You're pouring the life of Christ into your kids. When you love and you show grace and you serve, your kids and your husband are seeing Jesus. I'm so thankful for my wife, Corey. I can't tell you how much of the grace of God I've experienced and her grace toward me and grace towards our children. If you're a mother today, thank you for what you do. And some of you are here today and maybe your mom, you don't have your mom here anymore. She's passed on to be with the Lord or you may be here today and you may not know who your mom is, but listen, God loves you. God is here to comfort you. If your mom has gone to be with the Lord, here's what I promise you, that she's looking down from heaven at you right now. And she sees you not with your faults and areas where you fall short, but she sees you with the love of Christ, the same eyes that Jesus sees you through. And I know that she's very proud, very proud of you. So we're celebrating mothers today, and we're also walking alongside you today. If today is a day with a little bit of grief in it, but thank you, mothers. We also, Austin talked about next week is teacher appreciation. It's another group of people that need a whole, lot of, a whole lot of praise. It's kind of like mothering, you know, except you can be a guy and be a teacher. Can't be a, a guy and be a, a mother um, necessarily. Um, you know, there are single dads doing both things, you know. Um, but we celebrate teachers too. You know, this morning I was thinking of a lady. Her name was Lee Tinney. Um, and she was one of my teachers in the fifth grade. She was a substitute, and I gave her so much hell one day in class that she literally left class crying. Now, later on, I gave my life to Christ, and I re-encountered Miss Lee Tinney, who told me that she had prayed for me since that day that she ran out of class. And the moment I heard that, God said to me, Phil, those prayers made a difference in who you are now. They made a difference in the fact that you came to know me. And I can't tell you how grateful I am. Be sure to invite the teachers in your life next week. And here's the thing, guys. People who, uh, teachers who go to other churches or teachers who maybe aren't ready, they don't know Christ, they're not ready to come to a church service. They're also welcome just to RSVP to come to the luncheon. That's what we're RSVPing for. So please be bold and courageous in inviting your teachers and students to come be with us next week. Um, we are wrapping up a series here at Four Points called You Belong Here. And in this series, if you haven't been here, we've been walking through this need for belonging that God has placed within each and every one of us. And you may not know it, but we've been working ourselves from like the most intimate circle in our lives outward. Our very first week, we talked about a relationship with Jesus, the first and most fundamental relationship any of us can have. In the second week, we talked about our need for community, to be surrounded by other people who are supportive and help us belong. And then last week, we talked about 
you belong at four points and how God may be calling you specifically to be involved here. And we talked, we had a great time just celebrating how everyone, right, everyone is invited to be a part of four points. And this week we're drawing that circle out even further and we're talking about being on mission. You and I belong on mission. How do we take the belonging that we receive in Christ and in relationship outward into the rest of the world so that people can come to know Christ. In order to dive more into that, and we're going to get very practical today, I want to talk about some trends in church. Who knows that churches change over time, right? Some of you, you may have just got, you come to know Christ as the first church you've ever been a part of. Some of you have been alive long enough to see some changes. Church is different than it was 10 years ago. Church is different than it was 20 years ago. You may be, I see some folks, you've seen many generations of the church. And gosh, I can't tell you how thankful we are that you're here and for the wisdom you provide into our body here. But we can all agree, I think, that times change and churches change and methods change. Let me tell you a few things that I see going on in this generation in church. Some trends in the church. Number one, there's a distrust towards giving in the church. We've talked about that. I don't know if it's, you know, from watching TV preachers rolling around in Bentleys. Um, they're nice cars, by the way, but I don't drive one. And, um, and we think, man, the church doesn't need me to give, you know, but the church really does. That's how we do ministry. And Jenny will talk more about that later, but there's a distrust sometimes towards allowing the church to be the funnel through which you give to others. The second area that things are a little bit different is, is limited involvement in church, right? St st statistics would say that most people would say, I attend church one time a month. I attend church two times a month. I am actively involved in my church. To that, let me just say, when you're not here, we miss you, right? When you're family, it's more than just whether you're here to listen to the talking head or here to raise your hand during worship. These are important things. It's about you being involved with us in community and doing great things for the Lord. A third thing I see trending in the church right now is what, I, what I'm going to call and explain outreach dependence. So let me explain what I mean by outreach dependence. Many people today tend to think of reaching others for the kingdom of God as the church's responsibility. We're very comfortable with the idea that, hey, I attend a church, I even give to a church, you know, I, I tithe to uh, provide uh, the professionals with time uh, to tell people about Jesus. And, you know, as a church, you know, we do things. We have Sunday morning services and, and we have outreach uh, opportunities and activities and we have marketing that we do on your Instagram or Facebook page, right, where you can see things going on. These are things that churches do, but at a lot of churches, that's all they do. And most people, I think, are comfortable with that idea. There's a dependence on the church to do the outreach for us. And here's, here's kind of why. Um, here's how I would say many churches look today when it comes to these, um, to three categories of outreach that we do. The first type of outreach that church, that we do as Christians is church outreach. That's why I just talked about Sunday mornings, activities, marketing. That's like 90% of what a lot of churches consider to be their outreach Personal outreach, I'm going to say personal outreach is when you and I share the gospel with someone that we don't know. 
This is when we go up to somebody we don't have a relationship with and we just tell them the gospel of Christ or our story. And that's probably, I'm going to say, 5% of what churches do. And then there's relationship outreach, which is when you share the gospel with someone who's in your sphere of influence, somebody you go to work with, someone you go to school with, someone at that coffee shop or restaurant that you frequent a lot. And I would say that's another 5% of what many Christians believe, do to do outreach. Most of it is, is we depend on the church, as a dependence on the church to do it for us. But there's a real problem with this, guys. There's a real problem with this. I can't tell you in my years of ministry, 25 some years of ministry now, which isn't a lot compared to some of you, but I've seen churches spend so much money and so much time and actually lead not that many people to Christ. Somebody comes into a worship service, they raise their hand, they receive Christ, and then we never see them again. There's not discipleship, you know? We're not, we're not making disciples who are then going out and sharing the gospel with other people. That's how the kingdom really grows. Someone comes to know Christ, they grow in their walk with Christ, they share their faith, right? And then they share it with more people, and those people are discipled, and they share their faith. And this is how the kingdom of God is supposed to grow, but we've dialed it back to just being Sunday mornings and activities, and social media. Listen, I, I like social media. Most of the stuff on social media, this is how I, I read it. <laughs> are, aren't you like that? Right? Now, we hit, we hit some people that way. That's why we're going to keep doing it. But it's not the primary way because times are changing, guys. Here's how I think the future looks if as Christians we're going to do outreach. Church outreach is going to, I'm going to do that last. Relationship outreach, 40%. If our church is going to grow, and if people are going to come to know Christ, we have to become comfortable with sharing the gospel with people we're in relationship with. I'm going to say that's 40%. Personal outreach, you as an individual going and sharing the gospel with someone you don't know, that needs to be like 30%. And church outreach, another 30%. Listen, you, you're going to come to Four Points and you're going to see us always giving our very best because that's what God wants of us. But it's not the primary avenue through which the church grows. It's not the primary avenue through which the, the kingdom grows most of all. We're dependent on the church for things that we as individuals should do. And here's why we struggle, because we're comfortable with someone else doing it. But we're very uncomfortable, aren't we? Like we could all nod. We are all very uncomfortable sharing the gospel with someone else as an individual. I want to look at a passage of scripture with you today. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 and verse 26. Here's the context for the passage that we're reading this morning. It's the, the, the three previous weeks of our sermons here at Four Points. We've talked about how at Pentecost, the Spirit of God came and, and, all, and thousands of people, Peter got up to preach and thousands of people came to know Christ and a lot of them started attending this mega church in Jerusalem that met at Solomon's Colonnade. 
And then the church continued to meet and we started seeing churches on, on riversides and churches meeting in synagogues. And now the church is kind of growing past that point where it's beginning to follow the great commission and send people, disciples out into the community and out into the world to share the gospel. And there's this particular apostle by the name of Philip, strong name by the way, who is, um, we're going to read about right now, Acts chapter 8 verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. A eunuch, by the way, is is a man who's been castrated. In the ancient world, this happened. There were several reasons. Sometimes somebody was a eunuch because they, they were born without their male organs. Other times it was political, it was occupational, um, you know, when people served in a household, sometimes servants were castrated so that they couldn't be a temptation or be tempted uh, to prey upon the women in the house. Um, in royalty, royal servants many times were castrated and they were eunuchs for the same reason, right? So we meet this Ethiopian eunuch. He's from Ethiopia and North Africa. Ethiopia was in a different place then. This, this kingdom of, um, of Ethiopia was more like southern Sudan, but still in the heart of Africa. He was an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kendaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. So basically, when you research this title that this guy had, what he was was basically a royal finance minister. So for the whole nation of Ethiopia and the, the, the royalty in Ethiopia and over that nation, here's the guy who's the finance minister. He's the guy in charge of all the finances. He just happens to be on this road that God sends Philip down. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. So we can pull a few more things about this guy. One, he must have been some kind of God follower, probably not Jewish, he was African, but some kind of God follower in the sense that he showed up um, in Jerusalem to worship God. And there's several issues going on here. For one thing, um, the Israelites, they didn't castrate people. They didn't have eunuchs. And the reason they didn't do that was because they considered someone who was a eunuch to have been defiled and they were kept from worshiping. Okay? So here's a guy who came all the way from Ethiopia to worship God. And he probably got to see some things, but he didn't get to be involved in the worship because he was considered to be defiled when he showed up. We can also gather about this Ethiopian man that he was very wealthy, okay? People did not have chariots. If you were not a king or a royal official, you didn't ride around in a chariot. Remember, Jesus rode in on a donkey, right? 98% of people walked everywhere they went. Sometimes people had, um, had a donkey. That was a wealthier person. To have a chariot is somebody who's got a lot of money, okay? And now he's on the side of the road reading from the book of Isaiah, Okay, so if you walked into a synagogue, a Jewish place of worship in this time, they didn't even have the whole Old Testament there. They would have some scrolls. Like in order to have the scripture, you had these these skins basically rolled up into scrolls and they had to be handwritten copies. So where did this guy get a full scroll of the book of Isaiah to read? I mean, it would have been a ginormous amount of money. 
in order for him to do that. He must have paid to have some scribes make him one. He showed up in Jerusalem. This poor guy couldn't worship. But guess what? God saw him. God saw him. Verse 29. So the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. I love that obedience, guys. Like God's like, hey, go stand by the chariot. He ran there, okay? Like he ran to the chariot and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. He wasn't getting much help. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Apparently he's a two-seater. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. Now, now listen to this passage. See if it reminds you of anybody. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, this is someone who, who takes the wool off of a lamb. As a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Right? Remember that Jesus didn't speak a defense? Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Who is he talking about? Jesus. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, Here's water. Who can stand in the way of me being baptized? Some of us are wrestling with being baptized this morning. This guy, you couldn't stop him. He's like, what's stopping me? There's a ditch, right? He was ready. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So there's a few things that we can pull out of this passage before we get to the meat of what we're talking about this morning. Who remembers what we talked about last week? You belong here, right? Everyone belongs at four points. Doesn't matter whether you're rich, poor, race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, that's the $10 word, has to do with how you live your life with the means that you have. But there are no barriers. Philip had nothing in common with this man. Nothing. He was African, Philip was not, right? Philip was a Middle Eastern guy. This guy was obviously very wealthy and influential. Philip didn't have any of that kind of influence. But God led Philip to speak to him because the gospel is for everyone. We're supposed to read this passage and say, look, the gospel is for everyone. God wasn't just concerned about the early church in Jerusalem. He was concerned about the Ethiopians, who knows? We, we don't know for sure, but this guy may have been like the first Christian to go down and start sharing the gospel of Jesus in Ethiopia because of Philip's obedience. Another thing we can pull from this passage is we can see God's active involvement. I mean, what are the odds <laughs> that Philip wanders up on this guy who's reading from the book of Isaiah and on top of that, he happens to be reading a passage that's about the Messiah. It's about Jesus. Coincidence? I think not. 
Here's the truth. You may be thinking right now of somebody you know who doesn't know Jesus. Guess who loves them more than you do? God does. So when God calls you to share the gospel with somebody, be assured that he's already working and that he's not done working. Right? God is actively involved. And lastly, God wants us to see how powerfully he can use us when we're available. When God gives us just that little, I don't think Philip, you know, like, like he heard God speak to him, right? God appeared to him through an angel and he just like, he obeyed, like he just went. I don't always go when God speaks to me. Do you? Philip didn't know what he was going to encounter when he walked up on this chariot. He just knew he was supposed to be there. And God had already done all this work. And he was prepared to use Philip powerfully. So the early church was growing like crazy, guys, but more than like fantastic preaching from Peter, right, or some kind of marketing the church was growing from the work of the Spirit in the church, but it grew more because people like Philip were faithful to go and faithful to tell. Here's our big idea this morning. We are on mission. At four points, we are on mission. You are on mission. I'm on mission. If this is true, if what God wants for us is to share the gospel with the people around us. I want to get very practical this morning, right? Because I can preach an encouraging message, maybe even fire us up to go out and do it, but if I don't tell us how to do it, right? So we're going to get very practical today. If you don't have your pen and notes out, I do it. You're going to want to take some notes this morning. Get out your notes app on your phone, type it in. I take more notes on my phone than I do on paper these days. But let's talk about how to share the gospel. I want to give us two reminders. Write them down. Two reminders before we start getting too practical. You need to remember if you're going to share the gospel with someone. Number one, you need to remember that you're sharing good news. The gospel is good news. It's really confusing in our culture today. You know why? Because we spend so much time talking about what we're against and not enough time talking about what we're about. We spend a lot of time talking about what we're against, and not, many of us, guys, I'm not trying to be condemning here, but for most of us, never talking about who Jesus is. Our social media is filled with all kinds of convictions and clutter, but not the gospel. And I don't think the world knows what the gospel is. I don't think they know what Christians are. Who are we? What are we? What is a Christian? Is it a political organization? Because some people think we are. I, don't hear me say don't be involved in politics. I always vote my convictions. But some people think Christian, right-wing, Republican, politics. They all go together. It's the exact same thing. And they never get the gospel from us. They just think we're a political organization. Is that what we are? Are we a social club? Is this a place for people to come who know each other? Who like each other? 
who live a similar way of life, have the same hobbies? I already told you I play disc golf. Y'all probably don't, right? Is this a place where you come so that you can give your business cards out, make connections? Are we a social club, a social organization? You know, Stephen, do we just reach the kids in our youth group that their parents are here in tithe? Or, or do we go out and reach other kids? We do. Because we don't want to be a social club, but some people out in the world think we are. Are we entertainment? Guys, we have the best worship team I've ever seen in my life. I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. Every time Corey lays down a solo, I'm like, come on, Jesus. I love it. And we're going to keep doing that because we're going to give God our best. But you know, a lot of times we're, you know, what, you know, is that who we are? Are we worship? Are we entertainment? Sometimes our marketing makes it look like we want people to come to be entertained. You know, you could come to church or you could go to a concert or, or the preaching. There's a lot of good motivational speakers out there. And believe it or not, I listen to some of them sometimes. Some of the best leadership books are business books. And sometimes they're not so unlike what the Bible says about some things. Right? But is that what I do? My motivational speaker? Do I want to be a famous speaker? What is the church? What are Christians? Are we entertainment? Are we people who just believe stories? We don't care about facts? That's what some people think. Because the church for generations... People's kids have come home asking questions and their parents just say, believe, 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 believe. Then their kids go off to college and lose it. Four out of five kids who grow up in church will walk away from the church in college and never come back. Four out of five. Because the church for generations has loved shoving its head in the sand when there are really good answers We believe the truth here. History supports it. Science supports it. It's the truth. And we've got to talk about it in two weeks, guys. Jenny's speaking next week, preaching next week on Teacher Appreciation Sunday. And you know where I'm going to be? On the front row taking notes because she's a great preacher. The week after that, I'm going to be preaching a message called Why God? Why do bad things happen to good people? This is the biggest question people have about God, and we're going to be talking about it in two weeks. If you know someone who's grieving, if you know someone who doesn't know why a perfect God would allow the world to look like this, let's talk about it in two weeks. But here's here's what a Christian is. We're people loved by God. We believe that Jesus died on the cross. Because God created us for relationship, Jesus made it possible for us to have a relationship. That's good news. It's good news that people need to hear. The second thing we need to remember is to let God be God. Let God be God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm, I'm going to summarize it for you. Paul is kind of laying the smack down on the Corinthian church because they're a little confused. They're fighting again over whether Paul or Apollos or who it is they're supposed to be following. And Paul says, listen, man, like I planted the seed of the gospel. Apollos, he came along and discipled you. He watered it, but it was God who made the seed grow. It's God who makes seeds grow. 
When you share the gospel with people, you need to remember that it's good news, but you need to remember that your only job is to be faithful. There are two factors involved in whether someone gives their life to Christ and neither of them have to do with you. One is the work of the Holy Spirit, whether someone is responding to the Holy Spirit speaking to them, and the other is their free will. God created everyone free. It's part of what it means for them to be created in his image, and people get to choose. They get to choose whether they want to follow God or not, and God likes it that way. So when you share the gospel with somebody, we're faithful to share in love, but it's up to them whether they want to receive that truth or not. I let people disagree with me. I I have coffee a lot with people with big questions about God, and sometimes somebody will say to me, well, I think that's dumb to believe. (laughs) You know what I say? Okay. All right. You know why? It's not my job. It's their job. And sometimes they'll ask me, what, you don't care? I care, but it doesn't have anything to do with me. I've chosen. I've decided to follow Jesus. Brother, the ball is in your court. Whether you do or not is entirely your responsibility. It's not mine. So choose. Now I want to get very practical, okay? Because I could get up here and just preach a very inspiring message, right? But like, let's talk about some practical ways that you and I can share our faith with someone else. Are we good with that? Here's some practical ways that you and I can share our faith with someone else. The first way, I like to call the quick and unassuming pass. And I'll explain what I mean by that. The quick and unassuming pass. In fact, I'm going to come down here and demonstrate. Let me decide who I'm going to pick on today. I'm just going to pick somebody, not my son. He's raising his hand. (laughs) Hey, brother, my name is Phil, and I just want you to know, I know you got just a second, I just want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you very much, and I'd like to invite you to my church. You're welcome to come anytime. Have a good day. Hi, my name is Phil. I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for you so you could be forgiven. Yeah. And I, just like that, guys. And what I mean by quick and unassuming is people don't like to be cornered. Sometimes people are bad evangelists and then they, they you know, they feel more spiritual because people hate on them. <laughs> right? If you're going to stand on a box and just tell people they're going to hell without giving them the good news, not only are you a false prophet because you're only preaching half the truth, but people are mad at you and it's your fault. Okay? People can tell when you're genuine and when you mean it. And I don't corner people. If I walk up to you and say, hey, my name is Phil, and you say, look, I'm really busy. I'm on my way somewhere. I say, okay, God bless you. Have a good day. Because it's not my job to make people believe. It's just my job to be the love of Christ and to give people an opportunity. Sometimes I carry tracks with me. My favorite one I use is is one from the Billy Graham Association, Steps to Peace with God. It's very basic. And very easy. And I'll just hand it to someone and say, hey, just want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you and to give you something to read later if you want to. Hope you have a good day. I mean, who knows? Some people are going to deposit that in the filing cabinet called the garbage. (laughs) Other people are going to be sitting at home alone and they're going to be like, 
Huh. Right? Be unassuming. Don't be obtrusive. If someone doesn't want to talk to you, say have a great day. With a smile, the quick and unassuming pass. It's a very easy way, and guys, I, I've never had someone get angry at me for approaching them that way. Second way that we can share the gospel is to ask spiritual questions. You know, people don't always want to listen to somebody preach, Adam, <laughs> but people love talking about themselves. Have you ever noticed that? I heard someone tell me one time, be interested, not interesting. Be interested, not interesting. Ask questions. Ask someone what they believe about God. And then listen. Listen. Most people, if you really listen, they'll ask you what you think. And you'll have an opportunity. And now you're even better equipped because you know where they're coming from. Right, I'll give you an example. We have a picture. You can laugh at me um, in this picture. Don't take any photos of it. I'm the guy on the far right. No, I'm kidding. I'm the guy in the middle. I'm the guy in the middle. This is in Morocco. My wife and I were helping uh, Youth with a Mission smuggle Bibles into Morocco. It was a closed country. And um, one of the ways we did outreach was we was, I'm a musician. I'm not as good as these guys, but a musician. We would go into city center at night and I would bring my guitar on my back. Sophie Ann's carrying it there. I think he thinks he looks cool with it. And, um, and these other guys are there and we just circle up and just jam around, man. Every, every guy in Morocco can play Metallica, by the way, and the Eagles. Um, but we started building relationship and asking questions, Right? Here's, for example, here's how it goes with somebody who's Muslim. You just, I just ask him, so what do you, how do you believe you, know, you're, you get at peace with Allah? Like how, does, how do you go to a paradise? Well, you, know, you, you follow these pillars the best you can and you, um, you, know, you worship in this way and there's a scale in heaven and your good deeds and your bad deeds and you know, Allah is merciful, but you know, your good deeds have to outweigh your bad deeds. And I just listen very carefully. I already know what they're gonna tell me. Because many of them have been taught since as early as they can remember, right? And then I'll just say this. I'll say, man, do you ever feel like your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds? Because I never do. I mean, doesn't Allah know your thoughts? I've never had a Muslim be able to answer that question by saying, yes, I believe my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. There's a profound insecurity. I hope so. And it gives me the opportunity to say, you know, that's one thing that's different, you know, between what you believe and I believe is, you know, the Bible says that God already knew I was a failure. He sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for my bad deeds. You know, I'm gonna spend eternity with God even though my bad deeds will probably outweigh my good deeds. And I just get a lot of peace from that, man. I feel God's love in that. And it provides an opportunity. Someone may not give their lives to Christ right then and there, guys, but evangelism is all about planting seeds. But here's the thing about seeds of faith, guys, they grow. When you and I are faithful to plant the seed, God waters it, God makes it grow. God may even send somebody behind you to, to, to speak more truth. Or they may seek it out. 
But when you ask questions and you really listen to people, they will listen to you. And then you'll know where they're coming from so you can share with them. Next time you're riding in the car with someone from work, just say, hey, what do you believe life is about? Or what do you think, you know, we're all going to die. What do you think happens? And then really listen, not like a salesman, but like someone who cares about them. And you will have the opportunity to share the gospel. Third way you can share the gospel is by telling your story. This is better used with people that you know better. You know, it's better for people who have some trust in you already. Yeah, but you can have them over for lunch and just say, hey, you know, do you mind if I share something with you that really changed my life? You know, and share your story. Youth, it's especially true in your generation. People aren't offended when you share your story. They don't want to feel like you're telling them what to believe, but they'll listen to you talk about what you believe. And it gives you an opportunity to plant a seed. You know, when they're going through a season in their life and they don't have peace, it's like, you know, I remember that time, you know, that Ashley told me her story and she found peace. Huh. Right? You tracking with me? Don't bait and switch people. (laughs) Right? When you invite someone over, tell them you want to tell them something about your life. You know, one of the worst things is, is when people are like selling things or friends of mine and they invite me over for dinner and then I find out after dinner why I was really there, right? If you want to sell me something, just tell me you want to sell me something. I like to buy stuff, okay? Like just, just tell me, but just be straight up with people. You're not tricking them. You're not bait and switching them. You're, you're just going to tell them your story, right? A good time to do that, by the way, is around the holidays. Have someone over for Easter lunch. Have someone over around Christmas. You know what Christmas means to me? Okay? The last way you can share your faith I want to talk about, and this one you have to really be careful with, but there are appropriate times. And I want to call it confrontational. Confrontational. Right? Sometimes people are at a place where the Holy Spirit is going to lead you just to go for the gutter. Right? Sometimes God's going to lead you to ask that question. Look, if you died today, where are you going to be? Maybe it's someone on their deathbed, you know? They're knocking on death's door and you're like, listen, dad, mom, friend, like, do you know Jesus? Your time is running short. Let me give you an example of where God did this in my life. I really like cars, all kinds of cars. I read car magazines. I just love cars, right? And um, I used to do, go walk around with a friend in this area of town where on Friday and Saturday nights, guys would just have their cars parked and their hoods up and just showing off their cars. There's probably an area like that in Greer. Um, y'all let me know so I can go hang out there. Cars and coffee, you know, or, you know, places like that. And I was walking, I walk up to these guys and I just started talking to them about the gospel and they were literally laughing at me, like just laughing at me. They didn't want to listen. They were talking and I'm like, okay, Lord, like these guys, you know, I just need to go. And I felt the Holy Spirit convict my heart. And so like in a little bit of an authoritative voice, you know, I said, guys, just give me 30 seconds. Give me one minute. Give me one minute and I will leave you alone. I promise I will walk away. And the one guy said, okay, go ahead. What do you have to say? And I said this, I said, you know, if you had a friend who was standing on the railroad tracks 
and a train was coming, would you push them off or would you leave them there? And they joked around a little bit about which friends they would push off and which ones they would leave there. But the, the, you know, most were like, yeah, I would push them off. And I said, I'm just trying to push you off the tracks, man. I'm just trying to push you off the tracks. And we ended up having a good 20-minute discussion about the gospel after that. No one got on their knees and surrendered their lives to Christ, but a seed was planted, right? A seed where the enemy was obviously working really hard to keep it from being planted. But sometimes it's appropriate to just really bring the gospel clearly. And your job is to only be faithful. So here's the invitation today, guys, because we're on mission. You belong on mission. I belong on mission. God has called us to a mission and we have become apathetic. I'm gonna say a hard truth right now, okay? (laughs) But I love you. And I'm saying it to myself. We say we believe the gospel, but if we're not telling anyone about it, do we really? Do we really? God is not asking for your intellectual consent to the ideas of God. They're true whether you think they are or not. But do you believe that Jesus has rescued you from death and hell and given you a new hope and a new life and new peace and new joy? Who are you telling? Who am I telling about it? Because there's a world that's dying that doesn't know it. They don't have a clue. And God wants us to be faithful. So maybe today, the invitation for you is this, or me. God, I just haven't been living like I really believe it. I know you have my heart, but I want to be faithful to share the gospel. I know that you're moving powerfully. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of you moving powerfully in the world. And in a sense, it's all of us, guys. I don't have to ask you to raise your hand if that's you because it is you and it is me. So let's just pray. Father, we love you because you loved us first. And we struggle to be faithful, to be bold, to love enough to share the truth, to tell people the good news they need to hear. And I pray, Father, that you would renew in us a commitment to be faithful, that you would work in us with a new courage, Lord, to go out into the world and to share the gospel. Here we are, use us, Lord. For some of us this morning, when I, you, right now, Right now, you're seeing in your mind's eye a person that you know God has put in your heart. Don't waste time. Be courageous. Jesus prepared the way. The Holy Spirit is already working. You might be here this morning and you've never given your life to Christ. You know, maybe nobody came to you. You just drove by. 
I can't tell you in our response cards how many people fill that out and say, I was driving by. Maybe you drove by. Listen, Jesus wants your heart. And maybe right now you're feeling it. Just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. Please come into my life. Forgive me. I give you all that I am. I receive your gift of salvation. In Jesus' name. And if you prayed that very simple prayer from your heart, you are a Christian. You just became one. So what I want you to do when we enter into this next time of worship is we have a prayer area right over here where there's this light. And there are people in there who are prepared to talk more with you about knowing Christ, who are prepared to come alongside you, to pray for you, to encourage you. And maybe you need to go there and say, look, I really need to pray that God, that I, that I obey the Lord in sharing Christ. Or you maybe you need to go in there and say, you know what, God has put this one person on my heart, but I am terrified about sharing the gospel with them. Let us pray for you. Let us encourage you. Maybe you gave your life to Christ today. We, please go, please fill out the card. Let us know because we wanna walk alongside you and be a community around you. Or maybe today you're grieving. Mother's Day is a real blessing for some. It's a grief for others. Let us come alongside you and pray for you. Maybe there's been a missed opportunity, someone that you, you knew God wanted you to share the gospel with and you haven't done it. Pray for them. Let us pray with you. Let us pray with you. God loves you and his heart is full of love and grace for you today. I invite you to respond as the Spirit leads you.